Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. If you'll take the time to not answer, not try to respond, not try to fix, especially in a marriage, think about that. We're always trying to fix stuff, right? But take the time to truly understand where they're at and help them appreciate that you do understand it. Your relationships will, will grow tenfold. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Slocum Reed and I'm here with Jack Martin. Jack is joining us from Scottsdale, Arizona. He is a co-founder and managing partner of 5210, a vertically integrated firm that focuses on manufactured housing communities. He's a GP and also LP of a thousand sites across seven properties. Jack, can you start off with a little bit more about your background and then tell us what you're currently focused on? Absolutely. Well, I'll stay focused on the real estate. I grew up in Minnesota. That's the only personal background that I'll share here. But I got into real estate when I was in my early 20s, land development, got into that whole building houses and that kind of thing. Then I started working with a friend of mine, building a small rental portfolio. And that slowly grew to wholesaling about 2,000 single family homes. So we did that over a period of about 10 years. Then I transitioned in the apartment space and 
because I thought that that was going to be my long-term retirement vehicle until I tripped over this thing called mobile home parks. And it was like love at first sight, even though you wouldn't think that that would be the case. I would never look back when I was a kid and say, you know what, when I grew up, I want to own mobile home parks. But once you understand the intrinsics and how they perform, I just fell in love with them. So parted ways with the business and the group that I was working with, started my own shop with one other guy. And that's how 5210 was born. And we've been doing that since 2016. Nice. So seven properties that you guys have now since you said 2016? Yes. And these are mobile home parks. That's right. They're anywhere from on the small side, 50 spaces on the large side, 250 spaces. So they're like little subdivisions, but instead of having single family site built homes on them, they got mobile homes parked on every site. Jack, with over 2,900 episodes in this podcast, by the time this airs, we've had a handful of mobile home park investors on the show. Let me make some assumptions about what attracted you to mobile home parks, being that you were already an apartment investor, and then you can correct my assumptions where I'm wrong. You're a vertically integrated company that makes me assume that you all self-manage. Right. You're probably not on site at all seven locations all the time. We haven't gotten into where those are yet, but you have a member of your team who's doing the day-to-day operations of those sites. My understanding is that what attracts a lot of people to mobile home parks is that what they own is the land someone else is putting a park on. And that is what they are collecting rent for. There's very little improvement to that land that is owned by the investor. And that makes it very simple to rent. Sometimes simple to bring rents up to market if you acquire a property below market. And in 2016, mobile home parks were not nearly as trendy as they were in 2020, 2021. So there were some really good deals higher cap rates to be found in mobile home parks than you could find even in apartment buildings. Am I filling all the gaps here or is there something that I'm missing? You're probably spot on. I think the simplest way to characterize mobile home parks is you can imagine a giant parking lot, but instead of paying to park your car there, you pay a monthly fee to park your home there. And all the common amenities like the pool and the clubhouse and those kind of things that are owned by the park. You get to share those common amenities. You don't take care of your streets. You don't take care of the lighting in the park and that kind of thing, but you take care of your home. So that's the simplest way to explain it. Totally. You guys don't own any of the homes on those thousand sites? There's occasions when we buy a park. So when we buy and we're specifically looking for parks that are underperforming in some fashion, usually there's vacancy. It'll usually come with a handful of vacant homes that need to be renovated. Sometimes a lot of them, but in most cases, in a short period of time, in the first year or two, we want to renovate those homes and sell them so that 100% of the homes are owned by the tenants. That's what creates the consistent cash flow that you can count on. It's the recession-resistant quality of a mobile home park that everybody talks about that understands them. So for example, in 2020, the COVID year, where most landlords were down 20, 30, 40% on their rent collections. We collected 99% of our rent for the year because the tenants own the homes and they know that if they don't pay, eventually they'll have to forfeit their home to the park. And it just doesn't make any economic sense for them to do that. Jack, speaking of recession resistance, we're recording this at the beginning of August, 2022. And there are a couple of questions I want to ask you. 
I have a feeling I know where your answers are going because you've partially answered one of the questions already, but I still want to have this conversation. I'm an apartment owner operator in Cincinnati, Ohio. So vertically integrated. I am the management company, very similar in that regard. And I have workforce housing apartments that from an economic perspective are probably very similar demographically to mobile home parks while Cincinnati, Ohio and Scottsdale, Arizona are very different markets. Where are your properties? We got properties all over the state. So a small, all over Arizona. Yeah, all over Arizona. And then we're in the process of adding properties in Texas and Florida as well. Nice. We've got markets as small as maybe a hundred thousand people. So imagine whatever small town, you know, in Ohio, that could be similar. But then of course we got assets in Phoenix, which fifth largest city in the nation. So let me ask my first question here, Jack. Recession resistance. While it is much easier for one of my tenants to get up and leave from their affordable one-bedroom apartment, while that's easier than it is for one of your tenants to get up and leave from their home that they've put thousands of dollars into owning, there are other macroeconomic factors outside of the individual circumstances that an individual tenant is experiencing that impact a tenant's ability to pay rent in a recession. What else about your mobile home parks are you seeing as recession resistant? I would say that although it's easy for you to compare or for anyone to compare the tenant behavior in an apartment, I used to be an apartment guy, so I'm familiar with that, to the same tenant's potential behavior in a mobile home park. But what we found is typically... Even though some people would, in a recession, leave a $1,000 a month apartment to go to a $500 a month lot rent payment. So some people might do that. What we've discovered is mobile home parks are kind of quasi-home ownership. So even though you don't own the land, you still own the home. So it's just like the behavior or, or the culture of the type of person that would be attracted to a mobile home park. They want to own their home. They want permanent solution. They don't want the uncertainty of moving from apartment to apartment or whatever that is. Whereas an apartment tenant likes the flexibility of I'm going to be in this place for six to 12 months. And then if I get a new job, I can move to that place for six to 12 months. And they like that flexibility. So I think their natural behavior is different. I wouldn't necessarily say that an apartment tenant would be a good fit for a mobile home park or vice versa. I think that they're seeking a different solution. It's not the same thing. I'm not trying to say that apartments and mobile home parks are the same. I'm not trying to draw the similarities as much as I'm trying to hear from you about what makes mobile home parks more recession resistant. Calling it a form of modified or partial home ownership, you own the property on the land, but not the land. In almost every circumstance that I'm aware of, what attracts someone to living in a mobile home park is the affordability. Sure. Let's put it this way. This is a little bit anecdotal and it's kind of specific to the Cincinnati market. But when Amazon and Kroger both announced every employee was going to make at least $15 an hour. That piqued my attention. It was in that kind of early 2020, what's an essential business? A lot of people deciding not to go to work. A lot of warehouse style companies or companies with warehouse style operations like Amazon and big box grocery stores were hungry, starving for employees. That perked my ears because 
when you make $15 an hour, a person or a household that makes $15 an hour with one full-time 40-hour-a-week job is $750 a month is 30% of their gross income. Meaning that if you make 15 an hour, 40 hours a week, you can afford a $750 a month apartment. And I had a property with workforce housing and Amazon moving into the neighborhood where my one bedrooms were at 650 a month. And that's why it perked my interest. The reason I say this is I just had another partner on another property ask me about the recession that we're going into and how resistant our apartment building was. And I used the same anecdote. And I said, the affordability of our apartments will remain for as long as people can go get a $15 an hour job anywhere, basically off the street. And I don't see that going anywhere in this recession, given the way that the labor market and unemployment metrics have been playing out in 2022. So I believe my C-class apartments are very recession resistant, especially in this recession. So what's your argument for the recession resistance, Jack, of your mobile home parks? I totally agree. So anytime you get to the most affordable option, you're going to have higher degree of recession resistance than anything else. I mean, that's just logic would say that when things start to get a little difficult, somebody that lives in the $1,200 apartment is going to go look for a a more affordable solution. And if they're seeking that flexibility of signing a 12-month lease, they're going to end up on your doorstep. So that totally makes sense. I think that what separates, at least in having owned both of them, what separates the investment performance between my experience with mobile home parks and my experience with apartments, primarily is turnover. So you'll see that the average length of stay, at least in my experience in my apartments, was somewhere in that 12 to 18 month range. Even though you'll see some people stay 15 years, you'll see most of the people stay six to 12 months. Whereas in the manufactured housing community space across the United States, that average is about 15 years, their average length of stay. Shoot, we've got some people in some of our parks that have been there for over 40 years. Grandma bought the home and then she handed it down to mom and dad, and now grandma is in a different place and mom and dad own it and they're raising their kids there. So that's where that homeownership piece comes in. So from a recession resistant perspective, yes, the reason why most people are attracted to move into a manufactured housing community is because it's the most affordable living solution in America. Some people also would piggyback onto that, that they like the idea that they own the home and they can resell it. So in some respects, whatever investment dollars they put into keeping their home looking nice and renovating it, they're going to get that back when they go to sell it in the same way that you would if you took really good care of your car and upgraded it. You get to sell it. There's something there. But I think that the real intrinsic quality that makes mobile home parks unique is the fact that if the tenant decides to default, which is rare, but if they do, the penalty is the forfeiture of their home. So let's say if you own a home that's worth $50,000, it doesn't make any economic sense at all to skip a $500 monthly lot rent payment to potentially risk your $50,000 home. So if for whatever reason, a manufactured housing tenant was to get into some kind of economic difficulty, they could sell their home and they can extract $50,000 right there, which can help them get back on their feet and move in whatever direction they got to move. Whereas if they were just in an apartment, there's nothing that they can sell that they own. They're just going to have to leave or figure out a solution to bring in 
some other source of income to help make that monthly rent payment. That makes a lot of sense for sure. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. It's no secret that everyone is trying to find the recession-proof investment right now. What if you could invest in one of the most recession-resilient asset classes of the last 25 years with one of the best teams in the U.S.? Self-storage is that asset class, and Reliant Real Estate Management is that team. Reliant Real Estate Management is the 17th largest storage operator. They have sold over $1 billion in self-storage assets and have lost no investor principal with the average project level. IRR of 33% in the last three years. Right now, you can be one of the first to invest in their next fund at ReliantFund4.com. Fund 4 is a $100 million equity fund with seven properties already identified to close before the end of 2022. If you're an accredited investor, visit ReliantFund4.com to download the investment summary and schedule a call with Reliance Experience Team. That's ReliantFund4.com, R-E-L-I-A-N-T-F-U-N-D-F-O-U-R.com. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. My other question, Jack, when was the last time you purchased a mobile home park? We bought one about nine months ago. So it's the tail end of 2021. Gotcha. I hope you secured some pretty sweet debt on that. It was your last chance. Things have Um, changed dramatically since then. We know that. I want to talk about that change, Jack. Have you been actively pursuing another manufactured housing deal in 2022, but also knowing that you are currently in Arizona, also looking to expand into Texas and Florida, what are you seeing as an investor from manufactured housing deals in 2022 now that we're dealing with rampant inflation interest rates that have increased by at least two full percentage points in six months. What's happening to the deals you're seeing now? I think the same thing that we see in the manufactured housing space, you see across every asset class, which is owners of properties that would have an interest in selling, in most cases are still tethered to last year's interest rate environment, right? Right. So when they could have gotten a four cap purchase price for their asset back then, They still think they can get a four cap today, but it doesn't work very well when the interest rates were around 3% back then, another 5% for manufactured housing communities. So I think you'll see that same environment exist across all asset classes. It's not specific to manufactured housing. So you're saying it's basically been the similar. So, well, let me ask, there's been a lot of capital sitting on the sidelines looking to get into apartment deals and apartment syndications. Are you seeing the same sort of pressure on the manufactured housing market now that we're seeing increasing interest rates and I would imagine increasing cap rates? Yeah, on both ends of the spectrum. So from a buyer's perspective, 
call me the buyer. There's plenty of other guys out there that I know that are still in the same spot as I am. They're seeking to acquire more properties, but they're either being patient to waiting for sellers' expectations to start to mirror what's the reality in the marketplace, or maybe they're making offers congruent with where the market really is, and they're going to get one at some point. Some of them are sitting on the sidelines just waiting to see what happens. Are we going to see interest rates continue to go north and experience stagflation? Or is this going to be a temporary thing? And then once inflation gets under control, will we see interest rates start to trend back downward? So everybody's looking at it from a different perspective, but from a capital allocation perspective with when we're looking at investors that are seeking to get exposed to this asset class, I have more demand today than I've ever had. So I have three, four investors a week that are seeking to allocate to this space. And we've got a nice little waiting list. People get comfortable with what we're doing and they get in line, but we don't have a place for their capital until we find a deal that makes sense. It sounds like you're comfortable waiting for seller expectations to meet the market of the moment then. In this business, as you know, you're a syndicator yourself, so you know. If you don't buy the deal right, you're already behind in the goals to meet the yield expectation that you're trying to achieve. So I would rather not buy something than buy a deal that I don't want to be married to for 10 years. That makes sense. Well, Jack, are you ready for our best ever lightning round? Let's rock it, man. Awesome. What is the best ever book you've recently read? This is great. Perfect timing here. I read this book actually several years ago. There's a book called The Secret Life of Real Estate and Banking. It's written by a guy named Philip J. Anderson. And I think it's the best book that's ever been written around real estate market cycles. So it takes a really deep dive into the relationship between banking, government, real estate investment capital, and how this country was expanded from the East Coast a couple centuries. So back 200 years ago when this country first started to expand. It's fascinating. His latest version of the book only goes through the last real estate crisis. But it's just really interesting to see that the same behavior that you saw before is happening again. And it really lets you peek under the hood of what's likely to happen this time because it's happened in every real estate cycle in the past. So that's a great book. If anybody is in real estate investing and they want to read about real estate market cycles, I think that's the best book ever written. Nice. Jack, what is your best ever way to give back? There's two places that have kind of shown up in my life. I don't know if it was a choice. Maybe things show up for you for a reason. So I'm sure you're familiar with Bigger Pockets. Of course. Some of these guys have been, hey, Jack, you know a lot. You have a wealth of experience and knowledge around mobile home parks. Get on there and help those people that are kind of getting started. Make good decisions. Help people understand what it takes to raise capital and how to do it right. How to make sure that your investors are your biggest fans and all those kind of things. So I spend a meaningful amount of time, not just answering with yes, no questions, but really giving uh, attention to the questions that are asked there. So I spent a lot of time there. And then I believe that probably the best way that any of us can give back is through education. So I've had an opportunity to teach people outside of real estate, particularly when it comes to relationships. So it's my view that the most important skill set, this is true in real estate as well, the most important skill set that you can develop in your life is the ability to create and nurture really good quality relationships. So you know how powerful that is in your business. Of course. It's also powerful as a parent. It's powerful as a husband or wife. So I've been able to give back on that front a lot as well. 
Nice. Jack, thus far, specific to your manufactured housing investing career, what is the biggest mistake you've made and the best ever lesson that resulted from it? So the biggest mistake that I made in manufactured housing is I should have gotten more aggressive buying properties in 2016 than I did. Little did I know that this was going to become the competitive space that it's become. It's still great. We built a nice portfolio. We have an extremely healthy business. We don't have to buy parks. We just love the business. So we'd like to continue to build it. But boy, do I wish I could roll back the clock and start this sooner. I think we all do. And it's good to be in a position now where you don't have to buy. What about operationally? Within the operation of your parks, the execution of your business plans, what's the biggest mistake that you've made? Ooh, that's a great question. Probably not starting our own internal management sooner. So initially when we started buying parks, because we were coming out of the apartment space, we thought you could bolt on third-party property management. It's going to work just fine, at least to get things rolling. Boy, were we wrong. Mobile home park management is kind of a narrow niche to start with. If you're collecting a similar percentage of gross rents, the rents are lower, so the income is way lower. So there's just not as many options to choose from. And then there's so many different things that you have to do in manufactured housing that you don't have to do in other real estate asset classes. Like there's a vacant space. you got to find a home, move it in, set it up. And you have to have a dealer's license because you're, now you have home sales involved. You're not just leasing a space. There's all these extra things that are required to do there that it's really, really difficult for a third party property management firm to execute, at least to the degree where they're meeting our expectations and they're moving yeah. it we'd want to move. But yeah, that's what pushed us to start our own vertically integrated construction management, property management in-house. It would have been nice to start that sooner as well. On that note, Jack, what is your best ever advice? My best ever advice. Oh, this is an easy one. You will make more progress in relationships that are meaningful in your life with your ears than you'll ever make with your mouth. Listening is a skill. It's not something that we're taught in high school. It's not something you're born with. Listening is an active pursuit of understanding what the other person is experiencing. So if you'll take the time to not answer, not try to respond, not try to fix, especially in a marriage, think about that. We're always trying to fix stuff, right? But take the time to truly understand where they're at and help them appreciate that you do understand it. Your relationships will, will grow tenfold. Jack, where can people get in touch with you? It's easy. Go to our website, 5210.com. That's the number 52, and then 10 is spelled out. So it's 52ten.com. And uh, you can read all about what we're up to. You can contact me on the contact page. You can even schedule right on my calendar. Awesome. And that link is in the show notes. Jack, thank you. Best ever listeners, thank you as well for tuning in. If you've gained value from this episode, please do subscribe to our show. Leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend who's an investor who you know that we can add value to through the conversation that Jack and I have had today. Thank you and have a best ever day. Thanks, Locum. Have a blessed day, my friend.